0: Welcome to Signs from the Other Side with Fern Ronay. I'm your host, Fern Ronay, and this is the place to share stories of signs and messages received from the other side. Today, I am joined by author Claire Johnson. Claire is an author, journalist, and broadcast professional who appears regularly on television and radio, and is a former editorial director with the Press Association, a weekly columnist for The Daily Record. Her second novel, From the Outside, is now available and is described as a psychological suspense touching on the supernatural. The idea came to her in a dream with her grandmother, and I can't wait to talk about it. So thrilled to be talking to Claire Johnson all the way from Edinburgh. Hi, Claire. That's right. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course. So we connected on Twitter because one of my friends and fellow authors and fellow guests on the show, actually, she was in episode two, Jen Cannon, Mm -hmm. tagged me in the Daily Mail article about you and your experiences. And she was like, look at this fern. And I was so excited (laughs) to read that article and to learn more about you. So thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. So to set the stage, you grew up in Glasgow,
1: no, I grew up in um, Edinburgh in okay. Scotland, the capital of Scotland, and Glasgow is only about 40 miles away. Um, and I went to university in Glasgow. Okay. Um, that is where a lot of, I guess, what people would describe as supernatural experiences <laughs> and reminiscence started happening around the age of uh, 17, 18. So
0: were you close with your grandmother growing up?
1: I was really close with her. Um Sadly, she died when I was 15. Um, and it was really sudden, she was she was only 69. And she developed cancer. And um, by the time she was diagnosed, it was really too late. Uh, the, the treatment was going to be what we call palliative care, probably the same over there. Mm. Um gonna get uh, some chemotherapy. And she went into hospital to get the chemotherapy and she never came out. She reacted really badly to it and sadly oh. died. So, I mean, I was absolutely heartbroken. And we had had a, a conversation just not long after she was diagnosed, she came to stay with uh, in our home and she was in bed. And I think I must've been saying to her how worried I was um, about this diagnosis and what was gonna happen. And she had said to me, don't you worry, I will be there at your wedding. And at the <laughs> time, of course, I took that. I was really heartened by that because I thought what she meant was she was going to be alive. You know, I thought, oh well, I wouldn't get married for another ten, fifteen years. Right. And she thinks she's still going to be here then, and possibly that was what she meant. Mm-hmm. But uh, obviously, when she when she died when I was fifteen, I knew that wasn't going to be the, the story that I wrote about in the. The, the, the Daily Mail that you'd picked up on yeah. was that when I got married at 30. And um, I, I did I did have what I might describe as a vision of her before I got married.
0: I love this yeah. story so yes. much. Even leading up to that, you have so many other great stories. So yes. When you were at university in Glasgow, that was where I call it the staircase yes. story um, yeah. happened. So before then, you had not experienced any kind of psychic
1: or... Um, um there had been a build-up to that there had been to that so I when I moved to Glasgow I was staying in an old tenement building um where there were maybe about eight apartments as um you call them we call them flats um on on that stairwell and um when I moved in with three friends I I don't know why but I think I had I had come from quite a religious background Mm -hmm. and i was open-minded and I had developed this really silly thing with with mm-hmm. a playing cards that just became more of a thing of you know telling people's futures and I became more and more accurate about being able to tell people about their families so I could you know guess stroke tell a lot about them just through this system I developed with cards. Did you get a feeling yeah. from the
0: cards or you were just kind of playing with it at first?
1: I, you know I I find it really hard to remember what I was actually doing, but I was (laughs) attaching different significances to different cards. Um, It was just a playing pack, but I had a system. That's so funny, you
0: developed like your own tarot card system.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. (laughs) Only when you're 17, really. (laughs) Uh, So that had been going on, but at the same time, I had also had some experiences in that apartment where... um, I kept thinking that I could see something in the corner of my eye, like if I was there on my own, I'd think that somebody was coming out of a bedroom and I would turn and there would be nobody there. And I had an experience one morning where I'd woken up very early at 6.59 just to see the clock um, turn to seven, the alarm clock turned to Mm. seven. That's funny, I've woken up just as the clock turned to seven. Mm. And then I had posters on my wall, as you do when you're a student, and one by one, they fell to the ground, and they started rolling across the floor in front of me. Very strange. Oh, that it is so, so scary. Yeah, it did. It frightened me, but there was a yeah. weird calm to it as well. It's hmm. kind of hard to describe. Um, it was like I I went back to sleep. Bizarrely, oh, wow. I went back to sleep, and <laughs> it wasn't until scared. I yeah, it wasn't until I woke up that I thought, oh my goodness, you know, when I was really fully alert, I thought that's just that's very, very odd. Hmm. But I was having dreams that were coming true as well. So they were insignificant in the main, I might dream about having meeting somebody for the first time and having a conversation with them. And I would walk into the situation. And as I was going in, it was like, deja vu, plus, 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 I would go, <laughs> "Oh, it's going to come true. And it did, you know, and it was such events that sort of led up to what was the, the 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 bigger the most significant event that i had around that age yeah
0: can you describe meeting chris in acting class
1: yeah i mean that was the one that i remember because it was just so strange that um i had been in one of my classes i had i had not met but i was aware of a guy he was quite good looking mm-hmm. i suppose to on him but i'd noticed him um, but I didn't know his name, but he always wore a lumberjack shirt, you know, it was kind of, <laughs> he, wore, he had that kind of vibe going on. And I had been cast, I did a lot of acting at university and I'd been cast in this play. And I was going up to rehearsal and I knew that they had just cast the person that was going to be playing my husband in the show. So I was curious as to who it would be. Um, the night before... Uh, that rehearsal i had had a dream that i had been walking to the rehearsal up the stairs of this old university i'd opened the drama studio door and it had been pitch black apart from one light that was on like a light bulb in the middle and the girl who was directing said um oh there's been a power cut we're just trying to sort it out and i turned and she said meet chris by the way he's going to be playing your husband and i turned (laughs) and it was this from one of my classes in the bright red lumberjack shirt. <laughs> uh, I can't remember what he said, but he said something to me. Hi will have been part of it, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> so the very next day, I walked up to the drama studio and as I was going up the steps, I thought, I think this is going to come true. I think I'm going to uh-huh. open the door and I think it's going to be pitch black apart from that light bulb. And I opened the door, <laughs> <and> Sure. <laughs> And the whole thing just unfolded as I dreamt it. Because I was young, I think these things now would have completely flipped my mind. Because I was so yes. young, I was just going with all of this. It was. Just I love like- that you say
0: you you weren't scared, and that your friends um, wanted to hang out with you. They made sure to hang out with you on Halloween because. Oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, you had I mean, kind of they spooky thing was- happening. Yeah.
1: They just thought it was bizarre. They thought it was crazy. Um, Did Chris but...
0: end up being your husband in real life or just in the play? No. Okay. <laughs> I was like, that was take no. the story to a whole other element. That's yeah, no, there was,
1: there was nothing came out of that experience. So. <laughs> but still, it, it wasn't that ex-
0: Exactly the way you dreamt it, even to the point of the. You know the pitch black and the yeah the light. That's so crazy and yeah, it would have mm. freaked me out. So you didn't think of seeking out a kind of professional spiritual advisor to say like, what's going on? I mean, yeah. you were probably busy with busy being a student.
1: Oh yeah, and I mean, you know, we are going back. This is well over twenty years now. I mean, I'm in my forties. Mm-hmm. You know, there was there was really nothing. There was no internet. There was nothing really that or no yeah. one that to about it so it was just all it was just something that was happening to me yeah and it it was just a build-up of things I would say over that time as I kind of got more and more sucked into it I guess right Uh, yeah so all these things that were happening to me at that time were really part of the build-up to the biggest event I would say which was the staircase Mm -hmm. so we were approaching the end, we were approaching the, the summer vacation, and I had been out with a few friends at a nightclub, and they had come back to the apartment, and I had got my pack of cards out, and <laughs> was uh, holding court, telling <laughs> families, telling futures, and I, I just became a little bit agitated, actually. I, I sort of picked up on um, what I felt was a presence on the stairwell. And I must have been so convinced and convincing that four of my friends came out to the stairwell with me and we sat on the stairs. Goodness knows what the neighbors made of all this. But anyway, <laughs> sat on the, the, on the stairs outside the apartment. I was on the second floor and I felt that there had been a terrible accident. I just had a terrible, terrible feeling of danger and something horrific and i knew that it was an accident i knew it was something really bad and i i would i wouldn't really settle until we had literally walked right down into the basement and we were sitting um with the the trash bins out the back of of the building Mm -hmm. right right at the ground floor and i felt a little bit more comfortable then and we kind of made this pat between us that the next day we were going to go out and see if we could find out something that had happened that i i must have been i thought i was picking up on i i didn't we didn't get the chance to do that because the next morning the first sound that i heard i heard voices out on the stairway my bedroom backed right onto it and then i heard what sounded like something give way and then terrible terrible noise of something really heavy i i hoped i thought it was furniture sort of banging off the the banisters the railings on the way down and then a crash um the next thing i heard was a awful kind of wailing sound it's horrible really panicked voice shouting i'm coming down and i ran out um, and I looked over, and it had been our one of our upstairs neighbors right at the top had fallen sixty feet. I know so, this
0: story, and I'm still like, I, I know I it's just
1: I and... have the adrenaline going oh. thinking about it, so awful. And I was again so young; I was really panicked. I mean, I was absolutely terrified. His friend at the top shouted at me to go down and hold his hand. Oh, uh, I know, and so my my uh roommate came out behind me and we walked down the stairs or we ran down the stairs and she sat with him and held his hand and I I was very panicked because Mm -hmm. I knew I felt that it was related to the night before and I had a horrible feeling that I'd caused it I mean I just Mm -hmm. my mind was blown he he was a doctor and he (laughs) this is too much information possibly but he (laughs) dripping from his nose and he felt he was telling us that when the ambulance arrived we had to tell them something about i think he thought that his he had broken his skull anyway the ambulance came and we learned the next day that he had survived which was fantastic Thankfully, and, yeah he yeah. had broken a lot of bones but he had survived and that was a huge relief. But
0: wow! And the reason was because wasn't he opening a door to
1: the attic, and he slipped and fell, and he that's fell right,
0: sixty feet. Sixty yeah. feet
1: is yeah several that's stories. Right. He he should have died in that fall. Really, uh, yeah. With, if we were looking at the odds, he had been the attic had been if you can imagine a almost like a winding stairwell with an attic right at the centre of the building. and So he had been on the the banister, um, leaning against that, grasping for the attic, which was just above him, and a piece of wood that he'd grasped for gave way, and he lost his balance and went over the, the banister. And he was banging what i heard the sound of banging he i don't know if he'd been grasping or if he had just fortunately been thumping against the banisters on the way down because it had broken his fall enough to save his life wow uh, yeah i in the papers it was reported as a miracle and you know at the time i felt something terrible but i think looking back now i think i'd just probably foreseen it yes Um, yes i just picked up on it yes Uh, Did you,
0: after that point, did you kind of try to push these feelings away? Or did, okay,
1: yeah. I was absolutely horrified by what happened and I never, ever wanted to experience anything like that again. I don't know whether I said it out loud or whether it was just in my mind, but I said, I want this to stop, has to stop. Um, And and it did, pretty much, it did. Um, I didn't get those premonitions again and I didn't do any, didn't dabble with cards, nothing after that yeah I don't blame you I don't want to know the future (laughs) no exactly sometimes too it's just too much sometimes and it was definitely for me at that age it was just too much Um, yeah 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 Yeah. I didn't want
0: it but the next experience was it wasn't a predicting the future type of experience (sighs) but it was an experience from the other side that was Beautiful and wonderful.
1: This is more up my alley. (laughs) If you could describe it with Nanny. Sure. So my grandmother, who I called Nanny, had said that she died when I was 15. And we'd had that conversation about my wedding. When I was, uh, I got married around 30, or at 30. And it had been, I think my mum and I probably had had a conversation about, oh, you remember, you know, she said she was going to be at the wedding. And Mm -hmm. it was a source of sadness. But to be honest, I was so busy. It hadn't been on my mind a lot, but it definitely registered with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and what she said to me before she died about being at the wedding had always stayed with me. You know, being that age, probably when I was 15, you know, i had clung on to it so much. And uh, a couple of days before I got married, I was at home and I had taken, I'd had a lie down. It was in the middle of the afternoon and I was going through a checklist in my mind of everything that still had to be organized. Um, now, I got married at my mum and dad's home, and they had a, a really old, beautiful old home in um, the Scottish borders, which basically is just the countryside in the south of Scotland. Uh, so I was going to get married there. I was lying down resting, and it's quite difficult to describe this because i hadn't, I hadn't fallen asleep. But I was in a very, very relaxed place where your mind starts to drift before sleep. So I was lying there with checklist, checklist, checklist. And then slowly I just moved into a different place in my mind. And it was like, my eyes were shut, but it was like something playing out before me. It was imposed on my mind. I was suddenly standing outside my mum's bedroom and she was in there with my sister and I was in my wedding dress. And they were, I mean, this is typical of my sister. I'd be waiting for her on my wedding day. <laughs> <laughs> she was, uh, you know, they were flapping around trying to, trying to get ready. And I was going, come on, you know, we're going to have to go soon. And I became aware of something to my left. I turned around and I saw my grandmother, Nanny, coming up the staircase behind me. Um, and it was just really natural as if she'd been there all along. Mm-hmm. And it coming up the stairs and looking at me and smiling. And that was it. We just had eye contact for a couple of seconds and it was over. Mm -hmm. And I just knew that she was saying, I'm here. I'm here too. That was was the message that came across without her saying anything to me. Yeah, it was a fantastic experience. It really was. And I think with something like that, when you know, you know. Um, Yeah,
0: yeah. I always say when you, you know, like if you're wondering, is this real or was this a sign for me Mm -hmm. or... I think it's like falling in love. Like when you know, you know. Yeah, This is different. This is something else. And mm-hmm. I love that even if you had had that visit and that eye contact and that knowing mm-hmm. that she's here, it would yeah. still be magical. But the fact yeah. that she said that before she passed and you yeah. always remembered that, I feel yeah. like it was, it was meant to be. And it was... She was in a sense, even if she might not have known it at the time, predicting the future the way you would yes. predict the future. <laughs> and yeah. that was the confirmation. Yes, yeah, so, it was. That's awesome. And your mom had a similar experience years later. Well, yeah,
1: yeah, because I told my mom and um, when I told her I could see, I could see that she believed me um, and I could just see a little twinge of sadness in her eyes. And I um, knew that she was thinking, oh, that's lovely that happened for you, but I haven't seen her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it wasn't until a couple of years later, in fact, probably five years later, that my sister, I had a probably a three-year-old and 18-month-old by then, you know, really wrong <clears throat> children. And my sister had a child of around three and she had just had twins. Oh, wow. She lived in London, but she'd come back up to stay with my mum to help her look after the twins. And they had been born premature and they needed a lot of care. So it was really, really full on for her. She was, my mum was just running around and she was doing so much laundry. Um, <laughs> she was exhausted. We could all see she was exhausted. Yeah. We had sat down one night in the armchair in her in her home. Um, she was just about to put the TV on and just very like me, she had closed her eyes. It was kind of like, oh, you know, closed her eyes just for a moment. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, her head was full of worries about the babies and were they going to be okay and how my sister was going to cope. And then exactly as had happened to me, she just felt transported in her mind. And she was suddenly sitting in her laundry room and she had an old, um. she still uses it. She has like a press for her, her sheets. I don't know if you can visualize that, but it's a hot press that you roll the sheets through. Mm-hmm. Um. So you can turn out sheets more quickly. In her in her mind, she was there putting bed sheets through, and the bat her back door was just behind her. And suddenly, the back door opened, and my grandmother walked in, and just as I had experienced, they just turned and they had eye contact. Mm. Um, she felt the message was, "Don't worry, I'm I'm here for you. It's, it's yeah. you know, it's okay, I'm I'm here as well." Um my grandfather who I called Papa had died by that stage as well. And my mum couldn't see him, but she felt very strongly that he was waiting for my grandmother outside. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, oh, they were I together. Um, what she felt now my my mother isn't somebody who would come out with stories like these. Mm-hmm. I'm not somebody who would come out right, with
0: right.
1: <laughs> You know, we're very level. Um mm-hmm. It happened to her, yeah, as, yeah. as she like, day. I know that happened to her. Um, and I'm just so pleased that she, she got that too.
0: Yes, absolutely. Were the babies okay?
1: Oh, yeah, they were absolutely fine. Yeah, Aww. they're uh, 11 years old now and they're, they're doing great. Oh,
0: <laughs> wonderful to hear. And it's so interesting because reading your book, there's a sense of knowing that they don't have to speak to each other. They just know what each other is thinking. The message is clear without using your mouth for words. And I love that that's exactly what happened for you with your grandmother and your mom with your grandmother and the knowing of of dad's just
1: outside waiting. Yes. I based that moment um, on my own experience. There's a, there's a moment in the book that the, the book is basically about a twin who dies, a very successful man from Edinburgh who dies in a car crash, and he watches the impact of his death on his twin brother um, and his wife. And he has a, that kind of connection with his twin. And it was based on the connection that I had with my my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um Different people will have different connections with loved ones who have passed, but I could only base it on my own experience. And so this
0: this dream that you always remembered, of course, mm. you were inspired to write from the outside because of that dream.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, there were a couple of things around that time. So there was that experience that I had had and this very strong belief that death is not the end. That's what ex- that experience left me with. And I've always been quite religious. I've always I've always believed in God. I've always believed in a greater power, mm-hmm. and I I just think we don't know. We we don't know the half. We don't mm-hmm. know anything. Um. But I have a sense that there's there's more, and the book explores that. So, I I had unfortunately lost my cousin when she was in her early forties, and it was around the time just before I started to write that book. Um. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, she died from cancer. It was really sudden. Uh. Very shocking. Um I mean she was ripped from the world, but she had a very strong faith and she knew where she was going. She had been in a coma, uh you know, she well, she had been unconscious before she died. Just as had happened with my mum and I, another cousin had seen her in a dream before she died. My cousin had appeared and had said to her, I don't have long now. I have 2 weeks but don't worry. I know where I'm going and I'm I'm fine. I'm at peace with it. And she did. She died two weeks later. Um, and we had the sense that she, you know, her great faith carried her through that situation and she knew where she was going. So wow. it preyed on my mind a lot. And I had this, had this experience that had happened to me. And I think that the story sort of wrote itself. The story is, I suppose, an extension. It was thinking, can our loved ones have an impact on us after they've passed. Can they influence our thoughts, our actions? Um, In times of crisis, can they reach out to us? And then Mm. one step further, I thought, what if the person who had passed had something to atone for? Mm. Make amends from beyond the grave. And that is what From the Outside looks at.
0: Is it very different from your first book?
1: Yes. The first but well from the outside was actually the first novel that I wrote but it's the second to be published and there's a Ah. whole behind that I had another publisher for it they had asked me to write a more commercial piece of fiction Mm. uh, that they would that would be the first release and so I wrote a political thriller called Pulls Apart and that's just a really pacey It is quite nuanced. It's it's set around a general election here in the UK where Mm. a political leader who has a wife who's an actress and she's quite a controversial figure. And basically, as they go through this political campaign, he's doing really well in the polls. But because of the controversy around her, she sort of threatens to bring him down. And so he has to sort of cast her off (laughs) halfway (laughs) through the campaign. But suddenly the public start to warm to her and her backstory comes out she was abused as a child and the public warn to her and he becomes the bad guy and actually to win the election he has to win her back and that's what that book's about so i love uh, it totally different both full of twists and turns similar pace but very different theme
0: i see i see in both of them someone who appears a certain way and then as you get deeper there are so many layers to someone who you think you might know which is a great theme absolutely one line that i loved from from the outside Mm. is as harry's watching his wife at his memorial he says i wish i could tell her that it's okay that i'm really not that far away just out of reach for a while i would love to put that on a meme and it should be shared everywhere because i feel like we are so we're here and we just want them to be here with us and that's very normal but I feel like we never put ourselves in their position that Mm. they're looking at us saying just be happy just live your life just enjoy yourself and I'm I'm just out of reach for a while we never think to, to think how they're feeling about it and I love that I love the perspective and I love that line
1: yeah well you know I did it was just so in my mindset over that period of time you know thinking about the afterlife and what could happen. I think my head was full of it. And it, it was just a, a book that really flowed from the soul. Those characters lived in me. And I love the thought as well. I mean, all, all the characters in my books have, are quite complex. I, I think that we see people in life um, who we see as one thing, you know, they're winners, they're they're this, they're... Um, and nobody is ever as they seem the books that i write kind of break that down they chip away at people and we get the get to the truth about them but yeah. also when you die if there is an afterlife what kind of learning you know what what does that what does it mean what does that what, what can what can that energy bring back to the world uh, yes. can can they have influence you know people often talk about you know angels and um you know that they they have they have somebody in the background this sense of somebody kind of watching them or helping them or supporting them and it's just something that really fascinates me i think Mm -hmm. i'd love to think that that was the case (laughs)
0: yes yes me too are you working on another book
1: well i am halfway through a third novel that I started some time ago and it's completely different it is it's actually based around sex trafficking so it's not the the lightest of subjects right <laughs> uh, but at the the center of it is a female character who makes a really bad relationship choice out of loneliness and that kind of hailed back to being in my 20s and just dating really mm-hmm. you know the wrong people because I fell in about myself i made bad choices and um, that is certainly
0: relatable
1: yeah exactly (laughs) a lot of us can relate to that yes (laughs) Um, so it's taking that to the extreme of somebody who because of her vulnerability made a really bad relationship choice and discovers that the guy she has fallen for is, well, has a lot of dark secrets. Let's put it that way.
0: Wow. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm really enjoying it from the outside. Congratulations.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you for reading. I'm so glad you're enjoying it. That's great oh, to hear. yeah.
0: It's awesome. And where can everyone find it to purchase?
1: So in the States, it's available definitely on Amazon, and I think Barnes & Noble as well. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I think basically online bookstores in the U.S., the, the, the larger ones should mm-hmm. have yeah so please do check it out and I would love to hear from people as well as I'm sure you do yes. their experiences and you know how they how they relate to the story
0: Where can everyone find you on social media?
1: They can find me on twitter at claire c l a r e s underscore j is the is the easiest place to find me or on facebook and your website your website
0: i noticed was not claire dot com
1: yes i know don't <laughs> My website is honest.scot. Um, I, I have it. a vlog called The Honest Channel on YouTube. And I so I've tied the whole thing in. I and love it. Yeah, I'm, if I'm known for one thing, it's being absolutely honest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. That's a good thing. So I will put all of these links in the show notes. Thank you again so much. You take care. You too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Signs from the Other Side. You can find me, Fern Rone, on all social media at Fern Ronay, R-O-N-A-Y. And be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so there can be more episodes of Signs from the Other Side in the future. Thank you again and sweet dreams.